Well, as we start to look at this chapter, I wonder how you uh, feel about warnings. How you feel about warnings? We live in a, a health and safety obsessed culture, uh, and so we're surrounded by warnings. Uh, there are some warnings that we see and we don't think much of. We don't like to take that seriously. There are lots of silly warnings out there, uh, but there are also lots of warnings that we do take seriously. Uh, some friends of mine live in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, they live right next to a beach that is very popular with surfers. It also happens to be a beach that is very popular with great white sharks, which means when you go to the beach for a surf, uh, you see these shark warning flags up there. Sometimes they say it's okay to surf. Sometimes they say it's been too difficult to see anything, so they advise you not to. But there's one flag, a black and white flag, that means a shark has been spotted that day in that bit of the beach. So don't swim. If that warning flag is up, you still have a choice. You can choose to treat the flag like an annoying inconvenience that's just there to spoil your day surfing and so jump in regardless. Or, like me, you can heed the warning. Uh, You can think there's no way that I'm putting on my wetsuit, which is basically a seal costume, uh, and then going for a swim with the great white shark. The warning is there. It's up to you how you respond to it. And the same is true for Joshua chapter 7. You see, Joshua 7 is like a great big warning flag in the middle of the book. And it warns us to take sin seriously. Remember the story so far. God's blessing has been on Israel, his chosen people. He has been with them and for them in everything we have seen so far. And God's anger, his judgment has been towards his enemies towards people like the Canaanites, those who stand against him. But now in chapter 7, verse 1, we see that the Lord's anger is against Israel. And so 7, verse 1 should come as a shock to us as we read it. In the middle of a section all about how God keeps his promises and has brought his people into the land, we now find this stark warning, not to God's enemies, but to his people. It's a warning to his people, both collectively, together, as the nation of Israel, and it's a warning to them individually, as individual followers of the Lord. And so we're going to consider these warnings this evening, and the first is a warning for the church, for for them collectively. And the warning is this, sin is never private. Sin is never private. Uh, Following their victory at Jericho that we saw last week, Uh, once they get there, uh, Joshua does what he has done so far. He sends out his spies to go and see what's going on, who come back in chapter 7, verse 3, and report that uh, this should be an easy win for the Israelites. Unlike the mighty city of Jericho, Ai is just a small town, and so it only should take a few thousand men to, to overcome it. Uh, this should be a walk in the park, Joshua, say the spies. This should be easy. But then we read in verse 4. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. 
They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. The Israelites are defeated by little old Ai. Understandably, Joshua is in shock. Verse 6, he falls down before the ark of the Lord and cries out, What is going on, Lord? What's this about? What are you doing? How could this have possibly happened? And you can understand his shock, his dismay, can't you? Up until this point, everything's been going well for Joshua. We ended last week in chapter 6, verse 27. Just glance back there. Right at the end of chapter 6, it says, The Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. The Lord has been with Joshua all the way through these chapters. And God's enemies, the people Joshua is fighting, they've been melting in fear. That's been the repeated phrase, isn't it? The people were melting in fear before the Israelites. But now, out of nowhere, Israel is defeated. And verse 5, they are the ones melting in fear. And so Joshua is in shock. He hasn't got a clue what's going on. And so, verse 10, the Lord explains to him. Just look at verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down in your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. The problem is sin. Sin is the reason that everything is falling apart. Verse 12, sin is the reason that Israel cannot stand against its enemies. And did you notice whose sin it is? Verse 11, Israel has sinned. That's the striking thing about God's explanation in these verses, isn't it? He's not just accusing Achan, the, the bloke who did the actual stealing. No, he's accusing all Israel. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. God says, the reason you can't stand against your enemies, Joshua, is that I, the reason that I'm not with you is that you, the people of Israel, have sinned. You've sinned against me, the Lord your God. You, corporately, collectively, have broken my covenant, rejected my rule, and so I'm no longer with you. And so here's the first warning. Sin is never private. Sin is never private. Yes, Achan, as we're going to see, was the one who sinned. He took the things the Lord told him not to take. But that one man's sin affects the whole nation. They all suffer as a result. Sin is never private. And that remains true for us today. One of the reasons I think we struggle to get our heads around a chapter like Joshua chapter 7 is that we live in a far more individualistic society. Our culture tells us that all that really matters is what I do and that I shouldn't concern myself with what other people are doing or what we as a group collectively do. No, I should just worry about me, my problems, my life. And that individualistic mindset, well, it leads us, even as Christians, to think that, that sin is just my problem. It's not really anyone else's business. And so as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, well, then it's no big deal. 
But that just isn't what we find in the New Testament. If you can remember back to a few terms ago, we were, looking, we were working our way through 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul describes sin like yeast that spreads throughout a whole batch of dough. He says sin is pervasive. It spreads slowly, subtly throughout the church. You can see that with something like gossip, can't you? How does gossip start? It starts with the words, this is just between me and you. This is just between me and you. Or we think that gossip is private, just between a few of us. But, but then like a spark that starts a wildfire, it spreads. It spreads and it causes destruction in the church. The same is true of something like grumbling. It's the same thing. We, what begins as just a little moan to someone next to us ends up with deep-seated division and disunity in the church. Sin always spreads. And so Paul says, get rid of it, cut it out, have nothing to do with it, don't let sin spread. Joshua 7 and 1 Corinthians 5 are therefore warnings to the whole church. Together, don't tolerate sin. Don't brush sin under the carpet. Don't pretend it's a private matter or none of your business. Sin is serious and it's never private. That's the first warning. The second warning is for the individual. And that is that sin never stays hidden. Sin is never hidden. In verse 14, the focus moves from the corporate to the individual. And we read about this painful but deliberate process as God exposes sin. First, the tribe is brought forward. Then the clan. Then the family. Until eventually Achan is revealed as the one guilty of sinning against the Lord. And it's important at this point to remember who Achan is. Remember, he's an Israelite. He's an insider. He's one of the people who experienced God's fresh start back in chapter 5. Achan would have walked across the River Jordan on dry land. Achan, not long ago, would have been shouting as the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Achan was a man who had experienced God's provision, who had enjoyed God's blessing. But despite all this, verse 20, he sins against the Lord. And notice the pattern of his sin. Just look at verse 20 with me. Achan replied, It is true I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder... A beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. I saw, I wanted, I took. Sound familiar? Genesis chapter 3, Eve sees the fruit. She desires it, she wants it. And so she takes it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, David seethes Bathsheba. He desires her. And so he takes her. I see, 
I want, I take. It's the pattern of all human sin. And so this is a warning that all of us need to hear. Perhaps Achan thought that it wouldn't really matter. It's just a few bits of silver and a nice coat. No one's going to miss them after all. Jericho's been destroyed. It's just a small sin. It's, it's no big deal. Perhaps he thought that, that it wouldn't be discovered. That he could hide the things in his tent and, and no one need know. I imagine those things crossed Achan's mind because those are the things that, that cross my mind. And they probably cross yours too. How often do we tell ourselves, oh, it's just a small sin. No one really cares about gossip that much, do they? Yeah, you could, you could call it greed, but, but we all need to indulge ourselves every now and then. It's just a small sin. Uh, we tell ourselves that sin can be hidden. We convince ourselves that it's okay because well, no one knows what we watch late at night. No one sees the thoughts that we have towards that person at school or in the office. Sin is okay because if it stays hidden, then no one needs to know. But Joshua 7 is a big warning flag. A warning flag that says sin is never small. Imagine you heard a story on the news about a man who stole a hat. He was caught, arrested by the police, and thrown in prison for 20 years. It would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, if you, if, if you read that in the paper? 20 years in prison for someone who stole a hat. It would be ridiculous, but then... Imagine that it was no ordinary hat. Imagine it was a crown. Imagine the man had stolen the, the crown from the queen's head and put it on his own head to declare himself king. That would be a bit more of a serious crime, wouldn't it? Well, that's what's going on here. Verse 11, Israel has sinned. They've violated my covenant, says the Lord, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They have put them with their own possessions. Achan took what belonged to God. He stole what had been devoted to the Lord. And in doing so, it was as though he had taken the crown off of God's head and put it on his own and said, I'm in charge, not you. And so sin, well, it can never be a small thing. Verse 15, it is outrageous in God's eyes. It's an offense against the Lord Almighty, treason against the King of the universe. It can never be small. And it cannot be hidden. We might convince ourselves that we can hide our sin from other people, but we're foolish if we think that we can hide it from God. Do you feel how ridiculous Achan is? He thought that burying something under a rug in his tent was enough to hide his sin from God. It seems stupid as we read it, but then uh, I guess we might think that as long as we delete our internet history, or, or because Snapchat doesn't record what we send, well, well, that God will never know that sin can stay hidden. But that's not true. God sees our sin it is never hidden from him. He sees it and he will judge it. That was true for Achan. Look at verse 24. 
with me. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. God judged Achan's sin, just as he will judge all sin. The Bible is crystal clear that one day the Lord Jesus will return. And as we heard this morning, God has given him authority to judge. He will judge the secrets of our hearts. There will be nothing that remains hidden from God. All will be brought to light and we will be held accountable for it. Jesus will expose our sin just as Achan's sin was exposed. And if we find Achan's judgment hard to stomach, well, it's nothing compared to what Jesus will do. Two Thessalonians in the New Testament describes the day when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. The Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, warns us, don't mess around when it comes to sin. It is not small, it is not private, and it cannot be hidden. Sin is serious. And as Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we must take it seriously. Remember, Achan was a man who had experienced God's grace and blessing, but that did not mean that he could just sit back and take sin lightly. And the same is true for us. If you are a Christian here this evening, then you have experienced God's grace. That on the cross, the Lord Jesus faced the fierce anger of the Lord in your place. He took the punishment you deserve. And so through him, you've been delivered from slavery to sin. You've been made a child rather than an enemy of God. And you've been given the hope of heaven rather than judgment. All these things have been done for you by God's grace. But just as with Achan, that is not a reason to take sin lightly. In fact, time and time again, we see that our salvation in Christ should lead us to take sin more, not less, seriously. What does that look like? What does that involve for us as Christians to take sin seriously? Well, first it means that we don't downplay our sin, but we confess it. 1 John chapter 1 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Rather than pretending that our sin is something insignificant that doesn't matter or small, we need to see it for what it is. 
We need to see that every single sin is something that Jesus had to die for. Every time we break the speed limit, every time we send an inappropriate message, every time we drink too much, those things that we think are just small, just little things, those things Jesus died for. And so we confess them to him, knowing that the reason he died was so that we could be forgiven completely for each and every one, no matter how big or small we think they are. Taking sin seriously means we don't deny it, we confess it. And secondly, it means that we don't hide it, we fight it. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says that because of the cross, if you believe in Christ, your life is now hidden with him. And so when he returns your life, who is in him, will be with him in glory. You will appear with Christ in glory. Paul says you're safe. In Christ you are secure. Your future is secure and certain because of him. And then what does he say next? In the next breath in Colossians 3, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Salvation and security in Christ means we fight sin. We put it to death. We don't take it lightly. We don't hide it. And that is something that we need to help each other in doing. Remember, sin is never a private thing. It is never you and your sin, you and your struggle. No. Sin is not private and neither is fighting it. Which means part of belonging to a church family means challenging each other when it comes to our sin. Which I know we find awkward I know we find it uncomfortable both to be challenged and to challenge others. But that is how we take sin seriously. That is how we love each other as a church. And so let me encourage you, if you're not already in some sort of one-to-one or triplet or whatever, whatever you want to call it, some sort of relationship where there is someone in this church who is challenging you on your sin, who is helping you and encouraging you and supporting you in the fight against sin, then find that person. Find those people. Come and talk to me if that's something that you would like help with. But all of us should be helping each other to fight sin, not trying to hide it, not pretending it's small. So that's the warning of Joshua chapter 7. Sin is serious. It's never private, it's never small, it's never hidden, which means we need to confess it and we need to fight it as we trust in the Lord Jesus and his forgiveness for it. Let's pray that we would do that now. Our loving Heavenly Father, we confess this evening that we do not take sin seriously. Father, we do not see the things that we do as outrageous in your sight. And so, Father, would your spirit please convict us of our sin? Would we be shocked at the way that we treat you? But, Father, would we be all the more shocked at the gospel of your grace? Shocked at the fact that your son 
took the fierce anger that we deserve so that we could be forgiven. Father, please help us to confess and to fight our sin, not in our strength, but in yours. Father, please help us to fight against that sin and have that hope that one day sin will be gone. We will sin no more because of Christ. We praise his name this evening. Amen.